Beer, Cheese, and Murder is a true crime podcast about Wisconsin from Wisconsin. Due to the nature of true crime, this podcast contains explicit and graphic content which may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Beer, Cheese, and Murder. I'm Erica. Joining me today are Bonnie, Dina, and Jill. Kayla should hopefully be joining us soon. Uh, What are you guys eating and drinking today? Nothing special for me. (laughs) Well, today I made a brandy old-fashioned and I used... Wallersheim Distillery Old Fashioned Cocktail mm-hmm. Syrup for my old-fashioned mix. Uh, it is manufactured for Wallersheim Winery, which is in Prairie de Sac, Wisconsin. It's uh, the old-fashioned syrup is Wisconsin cherry juice, Milwaukee-made bitters, and brown sugar, which makes a new riff on the classic Wisconsin old-fashioned. And then I have some Ritz crackers with some Kokana port wine cheese. And although I usually do um, the Mertz port wine is like my favorite. That's my go-to. I have been doing some um, charcuterie boards for Mm -hmm. some holiday parties and giving Kokana a little shout out. They have a cute little cheese ball that Mm -hmm, has sliced almonds on the outside of the cheese ball. So it looked really cute to like cut that and put some of that on the charcuterie board. So I'm eating my crackers and Kakana port wine cheese and having my old fashioned. (laughs) There you go. That sounds wonderful. Now, where do you find that little Kakana cheese round? Because I know the- I just got it at the grocery store. Yeah, pick and save. Okay. So is it by like where you get the- the plastic you know like refrigerated cheese it's right by it that. was it's it was actually with deli. specialty cheeses uh i went to um actually i think it was a super walmart uh in <laughs> new berlin wow and okay. i think in new berlin and it was with specialty cheeses because i also got some blueberry cheese and some other like interesting cheese flavors and this was with the specialty cheeses not with the regular like sliced cheese okay yeah, nice. if, you go to yeah the, that... if you go to the pick and save in like hale's corners it's uh probably any pick and save really there's by like the deli they have like their more specialty cheeses and there's like a case right across from the main deli that where they have like the um fancy uh yeah the hummus like the hummus dips and stuff like that and they yeah. have the, the little cheese balls in there yep. okay that's well and then spot for them Okay. And then I, Wallersheim, I thought that was only a winery. So they have a distillery too, apparently. Yeah. Apparently I didn't know. We actually got a box of stuff from work and it was all Wisconsin products. So there was Wisconsin coffee, muffin, like everything, like all sorts of a mix of Wisconsin products in there. And this is one of the products and it's quite tasty. 
Very nice. What a cool gift from work. Yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, following you up have water (laughs) just because the holiday season here, I know I'm going out tomorrow night, the next night and probably the next day. So yeah, Yeah, I'm doing ice water tonight. (laughs) Lamo. All right. Well, I have, um, I've actually knowing that tonight was going to be the podcast night. I've been saving for having my alcoholic beverage tonight for the week. Um, so I have a Nuglera spotted cow. So excellent. It's a very easy drinking beer. I want to say very kind of standard Wisconsin beverage. Um, so Nuglaris Brewing is obviously in Nuglaris, Wisconsin, which is closest to Madison as a city hub. Uh, so it's a, this particular brew is a cask conditioned ale that has been the popular choice among brews since long before prohibition. We continue this pioneer spirit with our Wisconsin farmhouse ale brewed with the finest American malts. We even give a nod to our farmers. So it says naturally cloudy. We allow the yeast. <laughs> I know. You're it's a little burpy after drinking it. <laughs> naturally causes burping so okay <laughs> good so, Wisconsin beer naturally cloudy we allow the yeast to remain in the bottle to enhance fullness of flavors which cannot be duplicated otherwise expect this ale to be fun fruity and satisfying you know you're in Wisconsin when you see a spotted cow uh, and it's a 4.8 ABV so it's not too heavy in terms of like alcoholic contents, like I said, it's a very easy drinking beer. Um, doesn't fill you up too much. It's kind of a lighter flavor kind of drink. So it's one of my go-tos. All and too my well. friends. What's that? I said Dina knows all too well. And she yeah, has to limit herself of, to three spotted. Cow. It's one of my go-tos. And even though it's not a high ABV, for some reason, spotted cow gets me hammered and so my friends have a ongoing joke that they're like how many have you had you can only have three and I'm like, i can have five i'm pretty sure that i can get away with five but anything over that dina is in trouble so i don't know what it is about the spotted cow but it it hits me so all those I'm single guys out there you're running to Dina at a bar, just keep filling her with spotted cow. Okay. <laughs> Although then she might start burping. <laughs> I think any beer will probably cause that to happen. Right. Okay. Uh, um, I actually finished my snack before we started recording, but actually probably works out best since I have to talk. But I um, kind of stuck with uh, kind of a classic snack of mine when I was in I don't know middle school high school I used to do this as like an after school snack which is a very Wisconsin thing but it's uh summer sausage which in this particular case usinger summer sausage and just some slices of cheese so I'll just instead of you know don't even need the cracker I would just do slice sausage with slices of usually cheddar in this case I got some Wisconsin's baby Swiss cheese which was really good um, so Usinger's is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was founded by Fred Usinger, 
who emigrated to the United States from Germany in the late 1870s. So that's a pretty popular, I want to say, sausage brand in Wisconsin, um, especially this time of year when people are trying to send gifts to family members. I know that cheese and sausage, if they're not in Wisconsin, is a very popular gift to send people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Wisconsin baby Swiss cheese, it's, I couldn't really tell exactly who manufactured it. It seems like it's from the grouping of Wisconsin made or Wisconsin best cheese. Um, but baby Swiss cheese in particular is a cow's cheese milk that originated in America. Um, and it's made in the style of traditional Swiss cheese, but has a smoother, creamier and milder taste and texture. So it's not as overpowering, um, to the palate, but it definitely balances well with the summer sausage, I think. So I do like a baby Swiss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really very creamy. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'm going to segue into our Wisco fact. This is more of a seasonal and holiday related fact. Based on historical weather data, the probability of southeastern portion of the southeastern portion of Wisconsin, so in other words, the Milwaukee area, having a white Christmas are roughly 40 to 60 percent. So historically, that would be the statistical chances of us having a white Christmas. Now, when we say white Christmas, what does that actually mean? A white Christmas is defined as having one inch or more of snow accumulation by 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. So if that, yep. So if those conditions are met, then it's considered a white Christmas. I would have thought that it would have just needed a dusting to look white, but I like that they have, it mm-hmm. needs to be measurable at one inch and but wow, at 6 a.m. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. The time that children are awakening their yeah. parents <laughs> yes, to, get to open gifts. the gifts. <laughs> yeah. so the true. one day of year they don't want to sleep in. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> and the one day of year that I actually like to have snow. Except yes. that I have to travel in it usually, but oh, right, yeah. yes, right. I definitely love a white Christmas, and not just the movie, which is my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't watched it yet this year, actually. I know I have. Well, I have it on DVD. I can watch it whenever I want. But yeah, it's I love that one. It's such a classic. But so while the statistical probability is 40 to 60 percent the current forecast for christmas eve in milwaukee wisconsin is a high of 47 degrees and 70 70 percent chance of rain rain oh my gosh global warming yeah and christmas day shows a high of 38 degrees with no precipitation Uh, But there is a chance we might see some snow the day after Christmas, which is actually probably going to be terrible because it's going to be a rain, snow, slushy mess. Um, And this is Wisconsin. From Addison. Yeah. So drive safe. But uh, and watch for deer. (laughs) But this is Wisconsin. So if you don't like the forecast, just wait until tomorrow because chances are it's going to change. Seriously, <laughs> true. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna move into the case, and I'm curious how you guys uh, respond to this one because I took a little bit of a different approach to this one. 
Oh. So in this episode, hmm. for this case, our perp is not a killer yet. Ooh. Did you say yet? Yet. Oh. True crime without a killer yet. <laughs> well, there's more than crimes of murder, but I do True. think we have the makings of a murderer. Rur, I guess. Murderer. Oh. Murderer. Well, I say we have the makings of a murderer, which would mean we have the makings of a murderer. Potentially, Claro. So <laughs> it's not, not to be confused Avery. With making a murder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm let's intrigued. get started. In October of 2016, 20-year-old UW-Madison student Alec Cook was charged with sexually assaulting a woman in his apartment. Per the complainant, the sexual assault occurred after Cook had invited her to come home with him after studying in the library that day. And while she may have made the decision to go home with him, even if she did intend to have some kind of intimate encounter, a woman has the right to say no at any time. Absolutely. No, am straight. No. Following the media attention on the case, dozens of women came forward to report to police their encounters with Cook. Additionally, the search of Cook's home revealed a little black book in which he documented the women he met and detailed his sexual like, fantasies or desires. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ultimately, Alec Cook was charged with 20 crimes against 12 different women. Wow. Remember, this kid's 20 years old at the time wow. that he was first charged. Uh, yeah. So these, no. <laughs> these charges included seven counts of second degree sexual assault three counts of third degree sexual assault, two counts of strangulation, two counts of false imprisonment, and one count of fourth degree sexual assaults. And so the first woman that reported was back in like October of 2016, but the assaults that ultimately were uh, found to be against him after more women came forward um, kind of dated back to as early as early 2015. So he did that many in less than a year or so a year. Seem. So it would seem. Yep. Wow. Like a year, two years, year and a half, yeah. something like that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, oh, and this God. he's 20 years old. So you go back to 2015, he's like 18 years old. I mean, he's a baby basically. One woman claimed Cook assaulted her multiple times during a ballroom dancing class attended in spring of 2016. Yeah. So, well, and that's where like the different degrees of sexual assault come into play. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he like raped her, if you will. Um, but there are different levels of sexual assault that can occur. Like so I'm guessing inappropriate touching is my touching. guess if you're yeah. in a yeah. ballroom dance lesson. Yep. And I'll, I'll actually have some, a little okay. bit more detail on that, but 
Okay. Um, yeah, because so, I don't know what the levels of between three, four, two, etc. are. I, I no tried idea. looking it up and it kind of broke my brain. So I just yeah, <laughs> you're like, I can't, I can't get into the deets of this. But but it's first is the worst, right? First yes, is the first, worst. First oh, is yeah. the worst. Yes. Okay. That um first is pen like penetration. Um, other victims included a woman he met at a party at his apartment in 2015. Um, he also had one of his victims was also a woman he met during a human sexuality class in February of 2016. And another was a woman he met during a psychology class in August of 2016. And again, there this was ultimately the counts were against 12 different women. So this is just four plus the, the one that originally um, testified against him. So interestingly enough, Alec Cook was not a stranger to campus police. He had two prior encounters with campus police before the first sexual assault was actually reported. So he is a student at UW-Madison? He was a student at UW-Madison. Yep. With uh, Buckingham uh, Ulysses? Yep, that's right. (laughs) That is right. I had to get that in there. Yeah. See, and you thought you'd never be able to use that piece of knowledge, Exactly, (laughs) right? (laughs) And and, to throw that right in there only a couple of weeks later. (laughs) I sure did. Lighten it up a little. All right. These types of stories are especially scary. Uh, I mean, obviously it happens, but I mean, Madison is my alma mater, especially when you're living there walking around campus even late at night I mean you want to think that it's safe it it seems safe there for me I didn't have any issues with it but I do remember vaguely I think my freshman year there was something about a um like a rapist or something that where somebody got nabbed off of observatory drive and like pulled into a car and was sexually assaulted so I know like at one point in time, all of us girls were walking in groups and making sure we weren't walking alone. Um, it but. certainly happens, but at the same time, you have to expect that if you're doing yourself good by going to college, it should be somewhere that you should be safe. You should be safe. Yeah. And I want to say that in general, it is safe. Any place is safe until it's not. I mean, you can't control, even looking at the last case that we did on Athens, Wisconsin, it was in the middle of nowhere where no crime ever really happened until it did. So yeah. you just have to kind of be aware of your surroundings and try to make smart decisions, you know, have a rape whistle, have pepper spray. I had it. We've got our birdie. <laughs> yeah. You gave us our birdies. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, So his prior encounters with campus police included an underage liquor citation in October of 2014. And then there was also a complaint made to campus police in February of 2016 by a woman who said he was making her feel uncomfortable in the college library. In this incident, the woman said Cook had been staring at and smiling at her for months When she eventually confronted him and asked him to stop, he followed her out of the library, making her feel afraid for her safety. So he kind of like chased her down, I would think. Oh my gosh. That'd be pretty bad if she felt fear for herself. 
and and like to go so far as to lodge a complaint like that right you yeah you're not really gonna creeped out yeah you know some wow. guy is looking at me so i'm gonna call the police no like it has to be pretty bad in order for somebody to go that far right um so it was actually two days after the incident that she you know got up the nerve to make the report to the campus police and campus police followed up by speaking to Cook um, that evening uh, of when she made the complaint and ordered him not to make contact with or follow her anymore. And of course, he told the officer he understood and he would stop. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? I mean, he's not going to be like, well, too bad. I'm going to keep on doing it. Right. Next exactly. time I see her, I'm still going to be making eyes at her. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of like sad. She did what she was supposed to. The police did what they were supposed to. But how effective is that really? But it's within right. that yeah. there's not much more they can do within the frame of the law. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and even when people have um, restraining orders. Yeah. It's like almost that's such a joke. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say a joke, but it's hard to enforce and it's hard to get and all the red tape to go through it. And, and it's reactive in my opinion, like, okay, mm -hmm. so they break the restraining order or they step into your space that they're not supposed to be in. And then that's only the time that you can call the police or whatever. And they can right. do something. And, yeah. And they have to do something pretty significant to actually get it. Exactly. So right. it's not, yeah. I mean, in this case, she never would have been able to get one against him. Right. Um, right. Just based on, you know, she felt afraid of him based on him looking at her or following, following her. That's, that's sadly not enough. I mean, I say sadly, but I mean, if it was really not needing a whole lot of evidence to get one there would be way too many of them out there so i understand yeah. it but sometimes right. it has to be pretty extreme to be able to get one in place which is kind of scary right mm -hmm. right my point exactly yeah so not even remotely shockingly the defense team went with a it didn't happen and it was consensual defense combination of course their stance was that the ballroom dancing class assaults never happened, noting that no witnesses were cited and that the other encounters were consensual. One of these so-called consensual encounters includes the original complaint that started the media storm that encouraged other women to come forward. So the woman who went back to his apartment with him after studying in the library said he assaulted her for two and a half hours during which he maintained a death grip on her arm or body at all times. Cook, of course, claimed that she never told him to stop. The woman he met at a party in 2015 had a somewhat similar encounter. After meeting him at the party, she returned to visit two weeks later. So again, it seems like he has some sort of charisma, some sort of charm, where mm -hmm. he's maybe hitting it off with these women, but, and they're going back willingly initially, but then it kind of crosses the line and it goes outside of where they're comfortable. Well, and maybe that's his MO right. to yeah. oh, start slowly and just push the envelope until, right. Right. 
Ted um, Bundy was quite a charmer. Yeah, well, he'll come up. All right. So during her time there, he began to forcibly kiss her and then sexually assaulted her. The assaults that never happened during the ballroom dancing class included Cook touching the woman's breast and butt after her telling him repeatedly to stop. And for anybody that is confused, yes, that is sexual assault. Yeah, because no yeah. means no. And that and that's so okay. Do we know if they were taking this class together? As yeah, they friends? were. Well, I don't know that they were doing it as like a couple. As they a couple, to yeah. Okay, but maybe they were the partnered up. Yeah, I mean, they can just you imagine to... that? Just getting partnered up with someone? No. And, like, no, I can't fathom that. That's yeah. terrible and very, yes, sexual assault. <laughs> well, and again, while there may not have been witnesses cited, the student did email the instructor to complain about how Cook was touching her and making her feel uncomfortable. So it had to have been, again, to the point Good. where she was willing to say something. Now, she may not have gone right. to the police, but again, who's going to go? I mean, most women probably wouldn't even think to go to the police over something like exactly. that. But exactly. She, I don't think I would is, either. Right. Right. She did what she thought. Unfortunate, but what are they going to do? Yeah. Right. She did yeah. what she thought was the right path and made a comment to the instructor or told him like, hey, he's making me uncomfortable. Like, this isn't appropriate. I told him to stop. He's not stopping. And so apparently the instructor kind of addressed it with the whole class by just saying, like kind of going over in general, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate in terms of touching. So class, when you're grabbing each other, you A grab stranger's breast. Yeah. You don't yeah, touch okay. their breast or grab them in the biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> in the biscuit. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. You know, I have square dancing, Jill. There's no dosido. -do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like you dosidoing. I don't know. And I feel like in general, you know, every woman is different, but I feel like in general, women have, you know, I think it's societal and it's changing, but I think it takes a lot to get a woman to, even when it's kind of at that sexual harassment level, like, somebody staring at you and making you feel uncomfortable by looking at you or even just touching you and making you feel uncomfortable to a certain extent. It takes a lot for a woman to actually say something because there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's very psychological. Stigma. Like, you know, it's not your fault, but you still feel embarrassed. And so it takes a lot for a woman to, um, to say something. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience, you know, like there have been situations where I've let things go that I didn't have to let go, but it's, I don't know. It, I think that's part of the, it's, it's a very psychological, it's very complicated. And so the fact that these women did come forward and did say something to me tells me that it wasn't just your standard run of the mill they're blowing it out of proportion kind of situation like it's yeah. not that they there there was where there's smoke there's fire and it takes a lot for someone to say something well i and, absolutely agree yep and i think i don't know if it's us as women but we might be second guessing ourselves like 
Mm-hmm. Did that really internalize? Happen? Did uh, right or or, Am or I reading second guessing? Right? Did I did I just really think that that happened? Or I I know exactly yeah. what you're saying, and yeah. um, I well, think we always want to believe the best in people, and like, oh no, that's that's so and so, that's my coworker or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's worked that here. had to have been accidental. Right, right. Or, oh, yeah. it's just a fluky thing. And then finally, it's like by the third, fourth, fifth, maybe even 10th time, it's like, okay, I'm not imagining this. Right. This is really happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's inappropriate. when these, I, you know, thinking back to what I was like at 20 or even like 18, 19, even into my early 20s, like a little bit beyond that, I feel like. I've learned, I don't want to say I'm jaded, but I've learned a lot. I think when you're that young and you're not as experienced, and in some cases it's like your first real period of time away from home because they're newly in college to students, I think you're even more less sure of yourself, if you will. And you're more like, I think it's just easier to be victimized to some extent. Um, Probably why so many sexual assaults happen in college. Yeah. Yeah. So to continue with some details on some of the other sexual assaults, the woman whom he met during human sexuality class actually did begin dating him prior to assault again. So some form of charm there. They hit it off. They actually started dating. So it did start out as a consensual relationship. Um, After about a month of dating, Cook sexually assaulted her at his apartment. She told police at one point that she told Cook, okay, let's just have sex. But she believes she said that to make herself feel as if the assault was consensual. So again, it's that second guessing yourself, like in a sense, blaming yourself for something happening um, kind of situation. The woman he met during a psychology experiment also entered into a consensual relationship with Cook initially. They did have consensual sex at his apartment in August, during which he tried to choke her. Um, After taking a break to smoke some pot, Cook tried to have sex with her again, this time slapping her and leaving bruises. So again, a woman can say no at any time just because they had consensual sex prior does not mean it wasn't assault the second time. So, right. And I think that's where it gets a little bit muddy and the defense has a lot of room to play with that. Unfortunately, I mean, it makes a victim kind of a victim all over again by dragging them through the mud with those types of situations, which is really sad. Um, but a woman has the right to say no at any time. And even if she did make that decision and again, that self-blame and that guilt, like she could have said yes, and it could have been consensual the first time, but that doesn't mean it's okay for him to assault her the second time. Mm-hmm. All right. And we got Kayla now. So Hello. it was uh, the quintet going on here. <laughs> Yes, quintet. So (laughs) I was going to say the cousin quintet, but I guess I'm the only cousin. 
Uh, oh there's yeah, that, wow. sisters yeah, that's and a mom. Funny. I'm the only cousin. <laughs> um, so just a quick recap before we go into this next part. So Alicook was charged ultimately with 20 counts of sexual assault, assault of varying degrees against 12 different women in 2016 going back to 2015 so relatively short period of time that these assaults occurred during roughly about a year and a half to two years and he was only 20 years old when he was charged in 2016 so he's pretty young when this occurred imagine that there are probably a hundred more that he didn't get charged with yeah that's so true but every friday and saturday night that he went out yeah well so despite the original position of the defense team which was that it was a combination of didn't happen and it was consensual Alec Cook pled guilty to charges of sexually assaulting three women and stalking and choking two more. I don't know about you, but stalking and choking sound pretty scary to me. (laughs) Seriously. When it came time for sentencing, the judge incurred public outrage by sentencing Alec Cook to only three years in prison. Of course. Wow. And at that age. Yeah. You know. Wow. In a Bustle article, it states, according to CBS News, the Dane County Circuit judge sentenced Alec Cook, a self-confessed serial rapist who assaulted numerous women on the University of Milwaukee Madison campus to three years in prison with an additional eight years of close supervision and 15 years on the sex offender registry. Prosecutors had asked for 19 years in prison while defense had been asking for only eight years of probation. And with the five crimes that- Probation? Yeah. Come on. 19 years goes down to three? Yeah. Well, that's what the prosecutor- One wanted 19, one wanted I know, I know, one extreme, but I mean, Wow, that's a slap on the hand. Yeah, it's serial it at that point when there's that many women in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Shame on that judge. Yeah. Yep. Who paid him off? Like seriously, though, right? I don't. I don't know. Oh. So with the five crimes that he actually pled guilty to, he could have faced up to forty years in prison and a lifetime on the sex offender registry which he should have anyway. Wow. Yeah. So Judge Elke justified his decision, his, who's surprised there, by saying it was rare for someone who had no previous convictions to receive a prison sentence and that a long prison sentence would not cure the personality disorders that plagued Cook. Okay. He doesn't have, but he had 20 charges against 12 women in dance classes and library and like i mean clearly he's oh yikes well you want to hear what on the road personality disorders are sure (laughs) he's 
the personality disorders that Cook was diagnosed with include narcissistic traits and the sexual sadism disorder. Shocking. Oh my gosh. The psychologist who testified to this in court also stated as part of his testimony that he didn't know of any prison programs that treat sexual sadism, which... Judge Elke used as part of his justification for why a long prison sentence was unnecessary, that outside of prison, Cook would be able to get the kind of treatment he needed. Did he order it? I don't know, but did even if he did, it? does anybody Jaw recall? is on the floor. Yeah. Does anybody recall the court-mandated therapy that Jeffrey Dahmer underwent? That How did that turn out? I am just shaking my head. Seriously. Wow. Yeah. That many, literally, he has to realize. Okay. So there were 20 recorded. Yep. Reported. Like reported charges or incidents against 12 different women. Like we had our little brief discussion. Uh, It's pretty common that most women aren't going to report unless it's something like really comes down to it. So, like, it could be five times as many as that the court has to know that the court has dealt with this a lot longer than i have i can't and, believe that and, judge elke is stupid enough i'm sorry judge elke <laughs> if you're listening to this but that was a bad call dude well and, well, and the- in less than two years yeah it's not like this was in a year and, and a half. not that it's any better but well right that's what i'm saying it's not like yeah. this was five years and still it's bad he committed it but right. clearly this guy is not slowing Habitual. down and he's only going to get worse especially he's only 20 he's only 20 okay Jeez. so in the end while the judge seemingly let a serial rapist off the hook the victims will feel the effects much longer absolutely that's so terrible that's so sad i'm so oh i would be devastated if that was my case and that was what the court ruled for the punishment or something knowing that there's all these other victims out there i would i would have a really hard time with that it takes a lot of courage to come forward Mm -hmm. and to not have it recognized in the ruling definitely right well it's like why do you think women are discouraged from coming right. forward yeah. if exactly. all this time, yeah, exactly, yeah. all I mean, this time it's, and it's, energy, it's a lot of pain to go embarrassment with, yep. with no, nothing to show for it. Okay. You're going to get backlash from yeah. people. He knows you're going to be accused as false of being falsifying statements, overly sensitive, like, right. It's yes. going to come back at yeah. her yeah. a lot. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to play devil ad- devil's advocate for one second. But for a woman who actually goes forward with claiming a sexual offense, that's a big move. It's absolutely terrifying. And as any woman who has gone to college, you drink a little bit and something happens that you, you question and you're a little nervous about and whatever. Like the fact of going forward about it is terrifying. But Okay, now playing devil's advocate. What if, and this happens, there are women out there that claim that a man has done something terrible to them, but this woman is actually lying about it and the man hasn't done anything. But now in this case, I will back up the fact that like 
this man has done something wrong and he had several offenses against him. Right. Do like he deserves terrible things to happen to him. If you have a guy that this, like a girl claims a false accusation against, that's also terrifying for a man. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so devil's advocate, you say like any girl can say he did something and you know, oh, and, and they cry wolf and whatever. And I feel bad if any person, man or woman is like wrongly accused, that's terrible. That's not fair in any case, but this man, come on. Yeah. You're he, not going to, you, you joined was, a bit late. So some of these were in a ballroom dance class. There was a situation yeah, where multiple, he was multiple, stalked multiple. in a library. Yeah. This, so, this wasn't like, this wasn't like, um, boyfriend, girlfriend broke up. Girlfriend's pissed off, claimed, right. Right. You know, cried yeah. wolf. No, this is a very serious accusation. Now I just like on the Google here, I'm reading like, so what you're saying, he got what registered as a sex offender for 15 years. Okay. But you know what that does so far, what I'm looking up is that's for people who like live in the suburbs and say, how do I protect my kids? Oh, let's yeah, you actually have to under registry to know you have to look it up. I'm sorry, but if you have kids in your neighborhood and you're like, how do I protect my kids? And you look up a sex offender registry, this isn't affecting this guy who did no terrible things. The sex offender registry is just saying, oh, sorry, he lives here. <laughs> Good luck to you. Seriously. Yeah, it's not like he's introducing himself by saying, oh, by the way, I'm on the sex offender registry. It's yeah. There's not like a sign outside his door that says like vote for so-and-so. No, it doesn't say I'm a sex offender. It's no, you have to actually look up sex offenders in your neighborhood to find out if there's anyone there otherwise you don't even basically would have limitations on where he can live he can't live within a certain distance of a daycare a school etc yeah but i live in downtown milwaukee dina if i look i'm terrified to look up sex offenders in my area because there could be a million here they're everywhere (laughs) but there's also and there's also different levels there are different not even like like that's not that's not strict enough that's so scary that's not it, strict enough for this man for what he deserves that's not strict enough it's right and i would say that that's kind of the Three point years wasn't strict enough yeah yeah it's kind of the point of why i'm bringing this up so um but to get back to the victims one victim said in less than 24 hours my body became a crime scene and my life changed forever another said part of me died in order to survive that night with him and these are all 20 something year old girls right probably yeah oh these are all girls that this is going to affect them for they're not in their they're not in their 30s and their 40s and have experienced heartbreak and breakups and divorces and everything these are people that are just starting their life out and Oh, that's well, so, so sad. Wait, it would have been better if it would have been a no, no, thirty-year-old. No, 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 if they were older, it wouldn't have been any better. Oh, you know, if they're in their forties, good riddance. No, I'm no, no, I'm literally just saying like that. It puts such a. It's that's such a. Oh, that's a big anyone's life. As much as they're adults, I still feel. 
I, I guess personally, the hindsight's 2020, right? I still view those as very formative years and to have such a traumatic experience while you're still learning who you are and yeah. figuring out where you fit in the world can be very devastating. Yes. And, and for, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to say like, if you're older, you should know better. I didn't mean anything like that. I just meant like, I made decisions in my twenties or something like that, where I still look back and I say, um, huh, now I look at that differently. And maybe that wasn't okay. Or, or maybe that, maybe I see that differently, but when you're in the moment and you're at that age, you don't know, you have no idea. You There's a certain naivety. Yeah. Yes. Thank with you. The, yeah. With some of the it's women the- from, um, UW as well, you have to wonder being such a large school, mm-hmm. um, Big Ten school, how many of those people were from out of state too? And this is their experience for them. Yeah. You know, going out of state, going to this Big Ten school, which has such great reputation, and one guy mm-hmm. completely ruins their entire well, college experience. And for those that yeah. actually did date him or did initially, you know, have some sort of con- consensual encounter with him it can really mess with your judgment and your trusting of your yourself because you you don't trust yourself anymore or for a period of time because you right or wrong you're going to blame yourself for getting involved with somebody who would then come and hurt you absolutely so there's a lot of psychological aspect to it but Let's get back. I will say one one thing real quick. So (laughs) for those of you that don't know, I went to San Diego State University, which was dubbed STDSU. And it used to be a joke. (laughs) Yes, it was SDSU, but it was dubbed STDSU. It was a huge school and Greek life was huge, which in comparison, I believe... U, UW-Madison was similar, big Greek life, huge school, lots of students, um, lots of parties, lots of everything. I think San Diego State and University of Wisconsin and like University of Arizona or like Arizona State were like very, like we were all the top three, four, five schools. But like, I used to kind of joke, oh yes, TDSU, because it never affected me personally because right. I, didn't, I didn't date much. I didn't go out much. I didn't party. I wasn't in Greek life. I didn't do that. But hearing this story, it just makes me think all these young kids who are having this first time experience being away from home and meeting boys and doing this and going to parties or drinking a little too much or whatever they're doing and having this experience with this guy who is a predator. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. There should be stricter punishment. It's just so scary. So let's get back to my opening statement that the perp in this case isn't a killer yet. So let's talk a bit about sexual sadism as Alec Cook was diagnosed as having a sexual sadism disorder. Per Psychology Today, sexual sadism disorder is characterized by taking sexual pleasure from humiliation, fear, or another form of mental harm to a person Sadistic acts include restraint, such as ropes, chains, or handcuffs, imprisonment, biting, spanking, whipping, or beating, 
when someone repeatedly practices these sadistic sexual acts without consent from their partner or partners, or when sadistic fantasies or behaviors cause social, professional, or other functional problems, sexual sadism disorder may be diagnosed. Extreme sexual sadism can be criminal and lead to serious harm or even the death of another person. To be diagnosed with sexual sadism disorder, a person must experience persistent and intense sexual arousal from causing or fantasizing about the physical or mental suffering of another person with or without their consent. Ugh. And he was diagnosed Ugh. as this. So was he diagnosed with this in an attempt to... He to was diagnosed like as sexual sadism disorder. No, not it's not an insanity plea. It no. But they were trying to. It sounded to me when you said that the defense. No, their defense was that the, it was consensual encounters. Oh, but I think okay. when they had him evaluated, that he was then diagnosed this was, as okay came to light that he sexual sadism. The other thing too. Is he had that little black book that they found at his apartment, which had the detailing of his fantasies. So yeah. I, I have a feeling that played a lot into him For being sure. diagnosed. Lucky they found that. Mm -hmm. I would not well, even narcissistic, want to right? <laughs> of course, you're gonna it. write it down. Yeah, true. Um, Symptoms must be present for at least six months and cause severe distress or dysfunction in social, professional, or another significant area of a person's day-to-day -day life. When combined with traits of an antisocial personality disorder, which can include poor impulse control, dishonesty, and lack of empathy and remorse, sexual sadism can be especially dangerous and difficult to treat. Did you say antisocial? Antisocial personality. Antisocial? Hmm. So, what does a sexual sadist ser serial killer look like? From an Orlando Sentinel article, we get a description. They have a pattern of animal cruelty and sexual fantasies. Most are intelligent, charismatic, and from families with a history of alcohol or drug abuse. All are men. They are serial killers bent on sexual sadism. These psychopaths are different from the killer who murders on the command of voices or the mass murderer who kills in an outburst. The serial killer who attacks and brutalizes women is fueled by a lust that can be temporarily satisfied with each murder. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. To a T. Totally what was coming to mind. Mm -hmm. An FBI analysis of 36 prisoners convicted of killing at least three women reveals some interesting statistics. Their research showed the first act of hostility occurred in the mid to late 20s. 36% were cruel to animals as children, 46% later as adolescents, and 36% continued to torture animals as adults. Oh of what percent? 36%? Yeah. As adults? As adults. Wow. Yeah. That's a high number. Yeah. Well, I just can't fathom that. Like, when you talk about torturing an animal, are you 
I'm sure it could be any, like it could be cats, you being mean to, right, to your own dog or a squirrel or, yeah, right, like you said, that that is just unfathomable it's, to me. It, well, because we're not sexual sadists. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm it's glad that, that it's it unfathomable. doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, as children, 82% had abnormal sexual fantasies and daydreams. As the killers reached adulthood, 81% continued to have sexual fantasies, which meant that 1% apparently could get out of that. Um, 92% were white and more than half grew up in two parent homes where the mother stayed home to raise the family. I found that really, mm-hmm. wow. That's really surprising. And yeah, I've never quite heard that statistic do you know what I mean? Where they actually measure yeah. the yeah. stay-at-home mom. Yeah. I mean, and it is a fairly two-parent small... home, even. Yeah, it's let a alone right, that's my mom. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a fairly small sample group, but I mean, hopefully, you don't have too large of a sample population for serial sadists. But I don't know. Um, and eighty percent were av- of average or above average intelligence. Mm-hmm. That I've definitely heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so known sexual sadist serial killers include H. H. Holmes. Ted Bundy. Yep, Ted Bundy. H. <laughs> H. Holmes, often referred to as America's first serial killer. Mm. Um, so he built a murder castle in Chicago. And while he claimed to have murdered 27 people, it is believed the number is closer to nine. And he was hanged to death in 1896. I believe a number. Oh, my claimed 27 and you said it was closer to nine? They believe, like, because it's historical. So I, I don't know the, how much the evidence really ties to it. But again, narcissistic traits. He's yeah. probably killing me more than actually happened. But I think a number That's of women fair. went missing during like the Chicago World's Fair or something like that. Um, it's definitely come up. It's it, he's I feel like H.H. H. Holmes is kind of in the in the realm of Jack the Ripper. I think there's actually even a um, a conspiracy theory or a theory that H.H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. Um, Dean Coral, he murdered 28 teenage boys in the early 1970s, which came to be known as the Houston Mass Murders. He was nicknamed the Candyman for giving kids free candy from his business. And even more disturbing is that he was often aided by two teenage boys. He was often what? Aided. So he didn't aided. act alone. Assisted. Oh. Oh, yeah. John Wayne Gacy. So he murdered 33 teenage boys and young men between 1972 and 1978, burying most of his victims in the crawl space underneath his Chicago home. He was dubbed the killer clown due to his performing as Pogo the clown for children. That whole case about John Wayne Gacy still is just fascinating to me fascinating in a un- terrifying <laughs> yeah in a terrifying way um the fact that you know the smell and everything oh, and yeah he just kept on burying him i don't know that he's not the only one that. yikes there's a there's a uk serial killer i think dennis 
something or other I have to I've heard it a couple of times in different podcasts it's it's very disturbing um again I'm sure he's another sexual sadist so I'm not by by no means am I listing all of them just some of the more well-known ones um yeah Jeffrey Dahmer um which also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster whom we covered extensively in episodes two through five so obviously that seemed to be the top one that came to mind for all of us Mm -hmm. Fred and Rosemary West um over the course of 20 years this couple raped and murdered at least 12 women some of their victims included their own children oh Jesus oh my gosh Their children that survived their parents were horrifically abused and in some cases sexually molested. The UK press dubbed their home the House of Horrors. I think Rosemary West was actually the first woman to be um, like sentenced to the death penalty in the UK. I know that Eileen Warnos is in the US. She was the first female serial killer, first woman executed, and first known as the first fe- female serial killer. Yeah, yeah. what what movie was that called? Um, well, Eileen Warnos. Is it was Serial like, Monster or is Monster or something? Monster, like that. maybe. With, yeah, with um. Charlize um, Theron. Charlize Theron. Yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one that I'll mention, again, not the only one, but the last one I'll mention is Ted Bundy, because that's immediately what came to mind for me. Yeah. Um, So Bundy is considered a classic case of a sexual sadist. His intelligence, charm, and need to defy authority are road signs into the mind of the sexually motivated serial killer. Ted Bundy eventually confessed to 30 homicides but it is believed the victim count could be much higher. He was considered like handsome for his time. So he was able to charm a lot of women, Mm -hmm. sadly. But again, like that's what was really coming to my mind when the stories of some of the assaults of the women that uh, reported against Alec Cook because they did start by dating him or they did go initially back with him to his apartment you know he was able to charm them able to be able to kind of talk them 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 back with him and oh my god he's only 20 it's just think and just like well ted bundy was still pretty young too because he had grant it started when he was in college and then into law school so yeah he was in his early 20s So, while the judge in the case we covered has justified his ruling, at least in his own mind, I am not optimistic about his decision to let a confessed serial rapist back on the street. While it is likely his behavior and crimes would have continued to escalate on their own, he has now learned that if he's going to commit the crime, don't get caught. The judge thinks he is giving Alec Cook a chance to seek treatment. And as much as I hope that's true, I believe he's giving him a chance to become another sexual sadist serial killer. So as much- up what he looks like. Yeah. Totally like normal Uh, looking guy. 
right like, your decent average, looking yeah college like average yeah. guy so as much as i really hope that i'm wrong i predict that this won't be the last time we hear about alec cook so yeah, as far yeah. as we know, he's out and about because he only had three years and that was back in what, 2016, 2016 I think yeah. you said? I think this article mm-hmm. about the sentencing was in 2018. So okay. it'd be mm-hmm. right about now. So I've probably the- been on a Bumble date with him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but no. <laughs> no. He, no. Hopefully he's too young for you. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. No, but seriously, I mean, the sex offender registry, that actually really terrifies me at the fact that like, if they've done something wrong and they don't get overly penalized for it, you actually have to look them up. You actually have to look, you know, that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So before we transition to the Wisco high note, I just wanted to share some additional information on campus sexual violence as this case centers around the UW-Madison campus and the perpetrator and at least some of the victims were students. Um, Women ages 18 to 24 at an elevated risk of sexual violence. Sexual violence on campus is pervasive. 13% of all students experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, violence, or incapacitation. And that's among graduate and undergraduate students. And that's only those who have reported it. I think that number well, is much higher. Yeah. 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 That's really among, sad. Among graduate and professional students, 9.7% of females and 2.5% of males experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, violence, or incapacitation. Among undergraduate students, 26.4% of females and 6.8% of males experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, violence, or incapacitation. And 5.8% of students have experienced stalking since entering college. So note that there is a high, much higher percentage um, for the experience of sexual assault for the undergraduate students than even from the graduate level. So those, those early years can be, can be devastating. College age victims those numbers are low I just yeah I mean this is based on what's known what's reported yeah Um, college age victims of sexual violence often do not report to law enforcement Um, only 20 percent of female student victims age 18 to 24 report to law enforcement so it is kind of factoring in how much percentage report only 32% of non-student females the same age do make a report. So again, whether you're a student or not a student, the percentages are actually relatively low for those that will come forward and go through the process of reporting uh, sexual assault. Sexual violence may occur at a higher rate at certain times of the year. More than 50% of college sexual assaults occur in either August, September, October, or November. So that what do you first think that's about? semester right. it's the first oh, semester. Oh, just like getting oh, to meet people yeah. and being out and about. And yeah, that makes sense. Jeez. Kids drinking. New area, meeting new people. Away from their parents, new area, new people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Students are at an increased risk during the first few months of their first and second semesters in college. 
Um, and so I found these statistics on the website for RAIN, which is R-A-I-N-N, and it stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. So just their mission statement here. RAIN is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. RAIN created and operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline in partnership with more than 1,000 local sexual assault service providers across the country and operates the DOD Safe Helpline for the Department of Defense. RAIN also carries out programs to prevent sexual violence, help survivors, and ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice. If you or someone you know is or was a victim of sexual violence, you can contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE, which is 800-656-4673. And you can also live chat on their website at www.rain.org. And again, that's R-A-I-N-N. That's good information to put out there. I think so. And I think it's good to reinforce for women, especially young women, that it's not okay. And that um, no means no. And just even touching inappropriately, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, it's wrong. So yeah, and there's someone you can talk to. If you don't want to go to the police and report it, it's okay. But like reach out to someone and talk to someone mm-hmm. because this stuff happens. So I, I just, again, I don't know the statistics, but like I guarantee if there's 10 rapes or abuses reported, I think there's 20 more out there that aren't reported because someone's too scared. It's just so sad, but you mm-hmm. just need to talk to someone. You just have to talk to someone. So reach out to the hotlines and do something. Yeah. Oh, so I think that's enough sadness for this episode. We need a good Wisco Hino yeah, on this yes. one. Well, I hope this one constitutes. So it is just about Christmas time, which means holiday light shows everywhere you go. I'm going to read a quick article about the Miller Valley holiday lights being back in Milwaukee for 2021. So holiday lights is back in the Miller Valley for 2021. Throughout December, there will be a drive-through holiday lights display that will allow visitors to enjoy this annual tradition while remaining socially distanced. Holiday lights is a tradition that brings cheer to families throughout Milwaukee and Wisconsin, and we're thrilled to continue it in 2021, said Kendra Lafersky, manager of guest relations at the Milwaukee Brewery. We encourage everyone to come out, enjoy the show, and celebrate the season in Miller Valley. Um, so it is according- pretty. I drove through. Yeah, you can see this it from year? the highway, too. Yeah. yeah, this year. Nice. Oh, wow. According cool. and I did to, candy cane lane yesterday. Aww, I don't have the patience for candy cane lane. <laughs> you have to go early because yeah. we went right at six, and by the time we left a little after seven, there must have been four hundred cars like around <laughs> yeah, the blocks. Right it was on. nuts. Wow. Well, luckily it gets dark at four thirty. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, right. Four. <laughs> after the winter solstice here, the shortest. Yeah. Now it's getting. <laughs> 
Yeah. Day's getting longer every day. <laughs> so if you want to enjoy the holiday lights at Miller, Miller Valley, you got to get out there and get out there soon. According to press release, the holiday light show will run every night from Wednesday, December 1st through Saturday, December 25th from 6 to 10 p.m. So we're getting very close to the end of that. But if you do miss the Miller Valley holiday lights, there are plenty others to choose from in Wisconsin and particularly in the Milwaukee area. So other Christmas light shows include the Ingleside Hotel Country Christmas, which we did um, with the kids, which was an interesting experience. They were jumping That's around all the over one the out in uh, Milwaukee area. Yeah. Yeah, the water park one. Yeah, it's yep. out past the water park. Yeah. So that one is through January first. Jellystone Park Christmas Carnival of Lights is also through January first, and then the Verner Botanical Gardens Winter Wonders and Well Indoor Christmas Light Park and Market, um, which is at the State Fairgrounds, are both through January second. So get your Christmas spirit on with some holiday lights. And this podcast Woo! will come out in enough time to get that information to people out there, I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, eat, drink, and be wary. for listening to Beer, Cheese, and Murder. We would like to also thank the references that make this podcast possible. A full list of references can be found on our website at beercheeseandmurderpodcast.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at beercheeseandmurderpod, where pictures from today's episode are available for your viewing. If you would like to share your feedback, Wisco facts, case suggestions, stories, or just whatever, please email us at contact at beercheeseandmurderpodcast.com. Don't forget to tell your friends, but most importantly, until next time, eat, drink, and be wary. Uh-huh.